Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. One more time, give Jesus Christ a great hand clap. Hallelujah. Most people, most people go to church twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Some of you, this is service number 14. That's seven years worth of services. Not too bad. How many of you can tell that God's done something for you? Can you say amen? Well, we don't like to end with a period. We like to end with an exclamation point. And so we're going to have a Holy Ghost blowout service tonight. And then Sunday you'll meet four times and uh, get it going for week two. As uh, the curb stomping that we've laid on the devil continues. Amen. Say this out loud. What God started, he'll continue. It's not getting worse. It's getting better. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time. You can be seated. If you have your Bible, open it with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts, the 8th chapter, and the 4th verse. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. I used to hear no pages turning, and I thought everyone was being rebellious, and then you saw everybody on their phone, so I'll just say, turn in your phones to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, the Bible says, But the believers who were scattered preached the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Crowds listened intently to what Philip had to say and were eager to hear his message. So notice that. They listened to what he had to say and were eager to hear his message. And the Bible's going to tell you why. Because of the miracles that he did, of the many miraculous signs that he did. And so if you've been here the last uh, two or three nights, I've been telling you about how those are, that's the combination that's the secret to shaking a nation. The Bible says we, we dealt with it the first night. Boy, the sound is like amazing. Again, I don't want to get creepy with you, Mr. Soundman, but I'm really happy, so thank you. <laughs> I wish I could take you with me. Again, getting creeped out, I'm sure. of a restraining order against me on Monday, which is fine, understandable. Um... The Bible says in Genesis chapter 49, verse 12, that when, when uh, Jacob was prophesying over his 12 sons, Judah, what tribe are we in? Judah, because Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah and we're his brother. The Bible says that Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah. His eyes will be red with wine and his teeth will be white with milk. What does milk represent in the Bible? The word. Because the Bible says you should crave the, the nourishment of the pure milk of God's word. And then wine is a type of what? The new wine of the Holy Spirit. That the Bible says that Judah's eyes will be red with wine, intoxicated with the new wine of the Holy Spirit, and his mouth will drip with the milk of God's word. Everybody say the word. Everybody say the spirit. 
Now say this with me. Say the word and the spirit agree. And so what they try to do in America is they try to make it just about the word and leave the Holy Ghost out. And some of you, when you told people that you started coming to these meetings or you started coming to this church, they just refer to it as that church. Oh, you go to that church. Why do you have to go to that church? I went there one time. They were very, I didn't like it. Everyone seemed very happy. And uh, I didn't like, I like to go to a church where it feels like they're having Jesus' funeral every Sunday. And so the devil knows if he can separate the Holy Spirit out of the equation. Because I want you to notice this here, and I've mentioned it several times, so I might as well mention it again. That there's almost nothing available for evangelists uh, in the United States. I don't know about the rest of the world. There's less than 2,000 full-time evangelists worldwide, according to Billy Graham's association. So what they did have for evangelists, the Assemblies of God closed down the National Office of the Evangelists, so their Pentecostals have like nothing for it. So there was a, an organization called the Proclamation Evangelist Network, which was run out of Wheaton College Baptists. Baptists are good people. But they would only, when they would read this part, they would talk about it as if it was just, uh, and Philip preached Christ to them. So an evangelist is someone that goes and preaches Christ. But they left the part out because if you notice, it's actually going to pay more attention to the second part than it did the first part. But the believers were scattered everywhere and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Everybody say, preach Christ. So there's the word. He preached Christ. But why did the crowds listen? What's going to make people, when a stranger comes to their town and starts telling them about a new God, when they've worshipped God for eight, a different God for 8,000 years, what's going to make them want to listen to your God? Because you have a nice suit and you read well and all your points start with the same letter? No. The Bible says crowds listened intently to what he had to say and were eager to hear his message because of the miracles that he did. For many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Everybody say red eyes. Everybody say teeth with milk. So the word, my grandfather used to say, all word and no spirit, you dry up. All spirit and no word, you blow up. But when the word and the spirit come together, there's an explosion for the kingdom of God where the hold that the devil has literally on an entire region can be shaken off like it's happening right now. I mean, we started to approach Sunday morning crowds. I'm talking the 11 o'clock service. For the morning meetings, when you have full gospel denominations saying that you can't do that anymore, people aren't going to come out night after night, you actually have leadership that has deluded themselves into thinking in the hour of the greatest hunger that people aren't interested. That's a devil. Well, people aren't going to come out night after night. We have, to, we have to, you know, find different ways and go online. I'm online. I spoke online like three times. There's a little digital me. You don't have to feed him. He can't backslide. You don't have to pray for him. He was preaching online today, got people saved, just like, just like when I landed, when I landed here in Alaska, and uh, I had that message on my phone. Let me read it to you. It's worth reading. So you think, while I was sleeping, little digital me, he never sleeps. He's like a video game character that, that preaches the gospel. This came in. Jonathan, love you, homie. 
I guess in India, they're like 10 years behind the hip-hop vernacular, so I'm being called homie. This is from India. Jonathan, love you, homie. I just received a testimony from Limitless TV, which is a station that plays us. A lady's child, 10 years old, that was diagnosed with cancer and given up to die, got healed as, you, as they were watching one of your broadcasts. And I wrote, seriously, question mark? Yes, sir. They didn't have enough money for treatment. They're just local village folks. She was sobbing over the phone, and we were sobbing with her. And so you see, you know, people say, well, so you got to find other ways. No, you do the other things too. But there is no substitute for having actual, not virtual hands, real hands laid on your real head, like we're going to do tonight, like we've been doing. There is something about when there's a corporate gathering. And notice, that's how Philip did it. Philip didn't just go door to door telling people about Jesus one-on-one. They gathered, the Bible says, crowds. Everybody say crowds. Yeah, so don't listen to the, I don't know who this is for, whether there's other pastors here or ones watching online, but these people make it sound like you can't gather crowds anymore. You know, they don't know what they're talking about. And that's what I love about these meetings is they're proof. It's not, now it's not ideas. Now we've proved it because you're going to watch how the second week gets its own momentum because people say, oh, I heard Daniel's having in some evangelists from the lower 48 for a week. I guess they still do that. Then they start getting word, uh, how are those meetings going? I heard they're doing two a day. Is anybody even coming? No, actually, uh, the day services during the week when people have jobs are starting to outgrow Sunday, and the night services are too full. Where now, that, now they're starting to make preparations for upstairs. Man, can I not wait for the day where somebody shows up 20 minutes late for church with a coffee, and they have to tell you, go home and come back another day. There's no more seats. Can you say amen? And so... Now they're going to hear, oh, so what happened? Well, Friday was the biggest crowd. They're going a second week, second week, and you're going to watch. Now you're going to start to have, it's actually a challenge as an evangelist, because you're going to start to pick up next week people that aren't coming to receive. They just are scouts from backslidden churches. It's like when you have an inspector show up at your job site. You know, I don't really, he actually took, uh, I counted 23 minutes on the offering. And, um, you know, I didn't really think he had any points, you know. He just was all over the place. Correct? Correct. <laughs> you know, I've tried to change. I'm me. Amen. And so what happens is then when God starts showing this, because God has anointed the preaching of the gospel. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In your phones, apparently, because it's dead quiet, or either that or you're like in stealth mode as you turn in your Bible, which is fine. First Corinthians chapter one. There we go. Then that sounds good. First Corinthians one. I feel like I just got transported back to nineteen ninety-nine. First Corinthians chapter one. Verse eighteen. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But So what's he talking about here? Not the cross, the message of the cross. But to we who are being saved, we understand that it, the message of the cross, it is the very power of God. So think of that if you're called to the ministry. When you preach, I told the, the, the morning crowd, if you don't feel anointed, first of all, just learn to not pay any attention to how you feel. Because how you feel is not important. What's important is what the Bible says about you. Can you say amen? amen? And so I don't really care whether I feel anointed or not. 
The Bible says you have received an anointing from the Holy One who dwells with you always. So if I feel anointed, I'm anointed. If I don't feel anointed, I'm anointed. I've been doing this for 17 years. I have a funny feeling when I drive to Anchorage after I finish laying hands on everybody tonight and get on that plane at 12.50 and land in Laredo, Texas at 4 p.m. and then go to sleep and wake up and preach two services and lay hands on about 2,000 people, I'm not going to feel anointed when my alarm goes off in the morning. I'm not even going to feel saved. I'm just going to feel sleepy. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, get ready to preach. I look in the mirror, and I look like somebody that checked out prematurely from a methadone clinic. Amen. <laughs> Got sleep creases on your face. You don't look like you can help anybody. In fact, I remember one. Um, <laughs> I remember I went to go preach in Toronto one time, and I had just finished a week of meeting somewhere else, kind of like tonight. Got on an overnight flight, flew like several time zones. And uh, I think I got delayed in Newark. I'll tell you how tired I was. Is the guy that won the Academy Award for acting, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. He's, he's a black comedian. I can't remember his name. Anyway, it's not important. He was seated next to me, and I did what he probably wanted to do. I was so tired, I thought, I hope this guy doesn't want to talk to me. I put my hooded sweatshirt up and drew the strings and went to sleep. He, he, he was probably thinking, like, boy, he really doesn't like my movies. But no, I'm telling you, other than Jesus Christ, I was going to sleep. There was nobody that could sit next to me, even an angel. If it was Gabriel, I'd say, nice to have you with me, Gabriel. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so I land, I land, and get my bags. You know, you have to clear customs in Canada. You go through, and then get my bags, rent the car. When I get to the hotel, I have flown straight from Friday night, like I'm doing now, and got there Sunday morning. Or no, I preached Saturday night and went there straight Sunday, uh, got there Sunday morning at about 8.10, services at 10. So when I come in to check into the hotel, I'm dressed like this. You know, your tie's loosen from preaching, but the girls behind the counter don't know. You just look like some businessman that got like good meth and stayed up all night. So I come waltzing in at 8.10 and they're laughing. Oh, look at you. Looks like somebody had a good night. I said, you know, I'm not going to get into the explanation. I just checked in, and uh, they showed me to my room. I remember this as clear as day. I walk up there, laid down at 8.40, and set my alarm for 9.15. When I wanted to set my alarm for, like, February. <laughs> I still remember when that alarm went off, <laughs> I couldn't have felt any less like preaching. I felt like preaching a message called, figure it out. I'm going to sleep. Like, <laughs> like... <laughs> Like my daughter, Camila. I took her to a hockey game with me to go see the Penguins. That's like our thing. So we're sitting there talking. And she, this really like ripped my heart out of my chest. Because it's easy when they're two or three. You know, they don't know how long you're going to be gone. But then they start, they get really smart really fast. And also less cute very quickly. But uh, she said to me, she said, Dad, I'm going to glue myself to you. So that I never have to, we never have to be separated again. I feel like saying, like, please put my heart back in my chest. Why did you have to say that? So I told her, I said, you know why I go away, right? I go away to tell people about, she said, I know, cut me off. Because she's, you know, she was in the meetings for five years before she started school, morning and night. She said, I know people, I know you have to tell people about Jesus. I said, yeah, because like, I'm your dad, you have mommy. We told you about Jesus. So you know them, but other people don't have moms and dads like that. They don't, they don't know anything. So I have to go to tell them. She said, I still, I still wish you would stay here instead. I said, well, what about the people that don't know about Jesus? She went, they can figure it out. 
and I do my best to have more compassion, and I'm sure everybody in the ministry has felt like that at one time or another. You know what? You people can figure it out. But we try to stay in compassion. But I'll tell you, when my, when my alarm went off after sleeping for 35 minutes or whatever it was, I felt like these people in Toronto can figure it out. You know, there you got a TV station with preachers on it. You do something. And you, I got up, and I just started stirring myself, and I learned what to do when you're tired like that. Number one, you realize that the word's anointed. And number two, you don't go by how you feel. You don't look, oh, God, I feel so tired. I, I started to say, thank you, Father, that you said in your word, we have received an anointing from the Holy One. I thank you that your word's anointed. And as I started to stir myself up like David, the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so you don't go by what you feel like. You go by what the Bible says you are. Because God's never wrong, and you're never wrong when you quote God. So anybody that came in here feeling beaten down, feeling like you're less than everybody else, I have good news. You're, a, you're of divine design. You are created in the image of God. God has a blessing for you tonight. You're not going to leave here like you came. You're leaving with the anointing of the Holy Ghost and God is going to use you to bless this state called Alaska. If you believe that with me, take 15 good seconds, clap your hands, and give God a mighty shout. Hallelujah! You guys should thank God that you have the winners that you do. Because if you didn't, Anchorage would be a city of about 20 million people. If it was like this all year long, I'd move. What a great place and great people. One of the last free places in the world, Alaska, where e even the 80-year-old grandmothers have a 50 caliber Desert Eagle on their hip. Activia putting in their purse right next to a 45. Amen. No place like Alaska. Great people. Don't even pretend like they have pride. Just, just get in church and shout like they're in a saloon. God likes that. God likes loud praise. God likes when the redeemed of the Lord say so. God has a blessing for Wasilla. God has a blessing for Anchorage. God's not finished with this state yet. God's not finished with this state yet. The best days of Alaska are not behind it. The best days are yet to come. And we're going to see it this coming week. I said we're going to see it this coming week. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved realize it's the very power of God. <laughs> As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching or the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Now, what's the foolishness of preaching? You know, when you're on high-definition television, like I am, I would like to sit on a stool with a headset mic and a latte in one hand and calmly speak about the things of God. I don't like looking back over the tape and going to put it on TV and you have spit flying and sweat because in the natural, 
Just like praise doesn't glorify your flesh. You look, you look ridiculous flailing your arms and doing everything before the Lord. But the Bible says that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. So that's what would happen if somebody came to see Pastor Daniel preach that, that is from a seminary. Yeah, look at him jumping all over the place. And where's the dignity in that? You know, we're to be dignified. That's not in the Bible, actually. Can you say amen? And so what happens is, you say, why do you have to jump around and get emotional? You know, the Bible says if, in Romans chapter 8, if the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, there must be like a lot of ministers watching because I, it's pulling it out of me. That all the things you believed in the 80s and 90s that God was going to use you to shake wherever he called you, that religion turned you into a neutered preacher. God's going to give you your power back tonight in Jesus' name. Sorry, my family's from West Virginia. We just talk plain. Amen. And so when the Bible says that, listen to this, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, does anybody know the next part? He will what? Your mortal body. Quicken. The Holy Spirit is a quickening spirit. You will never, boy, it's going to be a good night. I might have, I might have not booked that flight late enough. The Bible says, if that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken. Everybody say quicken. So you're actually not going to read anywhere in the Bible where it says the spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah and he took a nap. The Holy Spirit is a quickening spirit. And so when he comes upon you, it actually gives life to your mortal body. That's why when you get the anointing, preaching. Preaching is not, T.L. Osborne said this one time. He spoke for two hours Gave the invitation to get saved. Hardly anybody got saved and almost nobody got healed. And he said to the Lord, you told me if I preached the gospel you, and I preached about Christ, you would back me up. I preached Jesus for two hours and nothing happened. And Jesus said to him very calmly in prayer. He said, you didn't preach about me for two hours. You explained the gospel for two hours. Tomorrow, preach. preaching is forceful declaration under the unction of the Holy Ghost. That's what Peter did. When they said these guys are making too much noise in the upper room, what's the deal with this? Peter didn't come out and say, now listen, we have a different way of praising God than maybe, no. He came out and said, men and brethren, some of you are saying that we're drunk, but it isn't true. What you're saying today was spoken by the prophet Joel. Begin to quote that scripture. Begin to quote other scriptures. And those men that mocked, their hearts turned. They said, brethren, what should we do? Peter said, each of you must turn from sin. And give your hearts to God. And then, even in the first sermon, Peter did not divorce the baptism of the Holy Ghost from being saved. He said, each of you must re repent of sin and turn to Christ and receive forgiveness for sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the icing on the cake. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gave to the church that without him we're powerless. But with him we can do all things because he infuses strength to our inner being. Can you say amen? And so that's what preaching is. Is when you get, uh, I know there's a lady here from Mexico. She was at least here uh, this morning. And I love this, and I'm going to a Spanish church on Sunday. I love the Spanish word for anointing. You know, in English it's anointing. 
In Spanish, it's unción, spelled just like our unction, where their actual word for anointing, you know, it's like an old-timer word that people don't really use anymore, but old-timers would say, you know, that guy doesn't have any unction. He doesn't have any get up and go. I'm not talking like preachers. I'm talking on a construction site. I can't, can't, can't hire that guy. Takes him two hours to carry that load up a flight of stairs. I need somebody that can do it in 20 minutes. The guy doesn't have any unction. And so in Spanish, the word translated is the same as English unction. That when somebody gets anointed, that anointing is a quickening power. The Bible says that Elijah called fire down, then he called rain down, and then he told the king, get into to your palace. For I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. And then when it began to rain, the Bible says Elijah tucked in his cloak, tucked in his coat into his pants and outran the king's chariot. Now, if you study it, a cheetah can run like 70 miles an hour, 72 miles an hour, but it can only do it for a couple hundred yards. And if it keeps doing it, its blood heats up so much that it'll stroke out and die. Elijah, if you study it, Outran the king's chariot, not for a hundred yards, but from where he called fire down to the palace was 20 miles. That old man outran, and a king doesn't have the weakest horses. The king would have the strongest and best horses. I can't imagine what Ahab must have thought. What a peculiar sight that you're riding your chariot, and all of a sudden this old man, Elijah wasn't 21. Elijah wasn't 26, signed in the fourth round by the Oakland Raiders. Elijah was an old man with a beard who ran past those horses 20 miles. How was he able to do it? By training? Brother, you can't train to do that. Usain Bolt couldn't do that. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was upon him. In the Old Testament, the hand of the Lord is a type of the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, where you were weak, your weakness is now turned into strength. If you stutter, now you can speak clearly. If you were slow, now you're quick. If you were weak, now you're strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. And so when that unction comes upon you, you don't deliver the Bible like it's some dead book. The same living power that's in this book gets in you and you start letting it go out like a volcano and it affects entire regions. So don't, don't you know, and again, I don't even feel, I might just be preaching to the people online and you're actually the audience. Well, don't give me that. Well, I, you know, I remember when I was younger, I used to get excited like that. What happened? Because Elijah wasn't 18. Elijah, Elijah wasn't a 16-year-old convert to his local youth group who was all fired up and had a lot of zeal. No. When the hand of the Lord came upon him, he ran. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord. You take the Holy Ghost out. You want to hear something interesting? If you preach two hours a night and one hour in the day like I do, you'd think that'd be a recipe for burnout. And people that don't understand the anointing will put me aside and tell, you know, you need, to be, you need to just be careful because, you know, burn yourself out. I saw you. You've been preaching all week, 14 services now. You know, you got to take it easy. Actually, if you do it in the anointing, simultaneously as you're preaching, it's refreshing your body. And on the flip side, I've watched guys that started off in the anointing that got themselves a little headset mic and a stool and a latte and they retire at 58, 60, almost none make it past 62, which shows you that preaching 25 minutes with a PowerPoint, 
that has no power and makes no point. <laughs> preaching 25, and I say preaching loosely, sitting on a stool and talking about principles in your flesh for 25 minutes will actually wear you out in the ministry. Whereas if you get in the anointing like Jesus and in the Middle Eastern sun, in the middle of the day, he taught, then preached. The Bible says, and he taught them many things. He taught, then preached. Do you know what it's like to preach with no microphone? Jesus didn't have one. If you have 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, you can't talk like this. Share a few thoughts with you. No. That's why the Bible says, and Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. You know, people say, yeah, but he would speak down uh, by the shore, which was like a natural amphitheater. Yeah, it helps a little. But if you're going to cover 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, with just your voice, number one is what I said. Number two, it would likely was supernatural. If you study the Kentucky Cane Ridge Awakening, they said they could hear the preachers preaching over three miles away, and that's in the early 1800s, that God would amplify their voice. I don't know who's watching me online, but you're about to give up and quit the ministry, and you think you need a sabbatical, but I'll tell you something about sabbaticals. The average person, when they take a sabbatical, after they get back from the sabbatical, resigns the ministry within a year. Because you sitting on a beach doesn't rectify the problem of your well being empty. You have to have the fire of God burning in your spirit. Jesus made a special trip back to tell the churches in Revelation chapter 3. I would that you be hot. Speaking to Christians. I would that you be hot. Or cold. That wasn't written to unbelievers. That was written to the angel, the pastor in, the, in that church in Laodicea. To Christians. I would that you be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So if you go to some church that doesn't understand the Holy Ghost, they'll say, well, how many of you know we need to be hot serving the Lord and not cold like the world? He wasn't talking to the world. He was saying there's people that go to church that if you had a fire meter, it wouldn't get off the peg. And you can spot them. <laughs> praise the Lord. Let all that is within me praise his holy name. Do you know what all that is within you means? It doesn't mean that. And you can tell it's a spirit. It's actually a spirit of indifference. The Bible says turn from your indifference. Because I'm not talking about, you can find somebody like Brother Shambach, Oral Roberts, that would stand up, no stool, and preach who Jesus Christ was in every book of the Bible from memory. In Genesis, he's the creator. In Exodus, he's the deliverer. And go through all 66 books of the Bible at 92 years old in an auditorium. 92, with ears the size of satellite dishes. And then you can take somebody that's 23, that goes to some dried up seminary and talks like they're 105 when they get back. As many of you know, I went off to Bible college this summer and I'm so thankful to be back. I want to thank Pastor Daniel for giving me the opportunity to just share some thoughts on this Wednesday night. And it's like, you feel like shaking them. What happened to you? You're young, you have a pulse. But 
vision snips that out of you. It takes the fire up. They'll actually mock passion. And you want to know something? People are attracted to passion. There's analysts, I won't name their name. There's analysts on ESPN that have missed every Super Bowl prediction for the last 11 years, missed every NBA final prediction, but they make their predictions with passion so no one cares. They'll listen to them the next day. I'm telling you, the Lakers are going to take it this time. Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay is not the greatest chef in the world. He's a great chef, but he's not the greatest in the world. But nobody can pull the TV numbers he pulls because no one has his passion. If somebody else messes up in somebody's kitchen, they say, you made a mistake, please fix it. If you mess up in his kitchen, he takes two pieces of bread, holds it on each side of your face, and says, repeat after me, I am an idiot sandwich. And people like it, and people keep watching. Then you got guys on CNBC, they make terrible stock predictions, but they make them with passion, and they're letting it rip, and that's about stocks and food. Listen to the people on the Food Network grading food with such passion. If it was me, it'd just be gone. Uh, Jonathan, what did you think about the food? Uh, you have to remind me what it was. I just ate it. They're passionate about food. They're passionate about clothing on the Bravo Network. Passionate about sports on ESPN. Everybody just letting it rip. And then you turn on Christian TV. And I don't know, man, like everybody's got a facelift in the last year other than me and Pastor Daniel. Everybody's face looks like somebody pulled a balloon over a pumpkin. If they so much as burp, their forehead's going to split like a sofa cushion. Looking like the Joker before he put the white makeup on. welcome you to the program today. Thanks for taking a break from trying to kill Batman to be on the air this morning. We just want to share some thoughts. We just want to share some thoughts. You know, it's like, you're scaring me. Stop having your eyes open that wide. It's freaking me out. Call the number at the bottom of your screen for prayer. I don't want prayer. I want you to have like a normal face. Skin stretched tight. Smile. And then communicate the gospel with less passion than people that talk about sports and stocks and the news and the upcoming election and everything else. T.L. Osborne said the gospel is not only good news, it must be preached as if it was breaking news. And I'm going to tell you something. Over this week, and it'll continue next week, you are getting an impartation of fire. Your fire will never go out. You're not going to be a dead American, North American Christian. 
that acts like Jesus is a historical figure. He's alive. People are going to know he's alive because he's standing up in you, flowing through you. When they look in your eyes, they're going to know that you serve a living Savior. And his name is J-E-S-U-S. If you know that name, shout it out in Alaska tonight. He's alive. He's alive. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you can't divorce the Holy Ghost and the power of God from the work of Christianity. It's not for evangelists. It's not for tent preachers. It's for everybody. I said it's for everybody. You can't serve God with no fire. Hallelujah. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. You invite somebody here, that's ah, a bunch of crap. They've marked themselves that they're headed for destruction. But for we who are being saved, we recognize that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I'm telling you what, I'm going to back off a little bit because in Alaska you get people this fired up, I feel like, We'd have a mob like burn the state house down if they raised taxes or something. This is an army in here. I guarantee you they're holding emergency board meetings in hell right now saying, what are we going to do about Wasilla? But I got news for the devil. That ship sailed one week ago. This place is marked by God for a revival where souls are going to get saved by the thousands. The sick shall be healed. Every prophecy that's been spoken over this region, it shall come to pass. Continuing with tonight's reading. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never follow him through human wisdom, he has used the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Everybody say the foolishness of preaching. Turn to chapter 2, verse 1, because in my mind, I feel like I could just fly through the rest of this and get to chapter 2. It'll never happen. Chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to what Paul said. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. So plain preaching. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching, but it was preaching, was very plain. And that's the frustration for somebody like Pastor Daniel. Because everybody tries to turn a preacher into a teacher in this country. Right. When you're a preacher, you're not, you're not one. You're a bull in a china shop, and God made it that way. Amen. When Gideon knocked over all the idols, God didn't meet with him the next day and say, hey, take it easy. No. He did it by the anointing. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. So notice, preaching, again, you had it with Philip, and here, preaching coupled with the power of the Holy Ghost. 
I, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but that your faith would rest in the power of God. So Paul taught it as a doctrine. You can read it again in Romans chapter 15. Paul taught it as a doctrine that until the power of God has come behind the preaching, that you haven't fully preached the gospel. And he expounds on it here to say that your faith would rest in the power of God. Because if you go to church for 18 years and hear him talk about how Jesus heals and Jesus is a blind eye opener, but you never see it, then you're going to go to university. What's the university you have in Anchorage? What's the for? University of Alaska? You send somebody that's been to church for 18 years. Forget University of Alaska. You send somebody to a Bible college that's full of backslidden professors. The whole full gospel movement, the devil has tried to hijack it and, has, and about has because they all did accreditation so that they could qualify for federal loans. Now they're, now they're in big trouble because they're this close to passing laws that if you reject LBGTQ+, then you lose all federal money, even if you're a Bible college. I mean, that stuff's like being debated in the Supreme Court right now. So they fell for this trap were to get accreditation to qualify for student loan money, but in order to be accredited, 90% of your uh, professors have to have a master's degree or greater and then eventually a doctorate. So you know what happens? I was there. The Bible college that I attended was an independent Pentecostal school and then went for accreditation, and I watched it happen. When the accreditors came, they fired. We used to have a guy like, um, what was his name? It bothers me. I can't remember. He's from Bear, Delaware. Brother Lundstrom. Brother, Brother Lundstrom taught Bible prophecy. He, he was a traveling preacher for 50 years. He had the book of Daniel memorized. He could start at Daniel 1-1 and go through to the end of the book. And then he had the entire book of Revelation memorized. The two books he taught on, he knew them verbatim. And he had big, thick glasses and fake teeth. And one time he was, I mean, these guys, it was just was like awesome back then. He was teaching, and as he's teaching and letting it rip, his teeth fly out. And you'd have thought he dropped a pen. Just kept preaching, picked them up, slammed them back in. I like that. You know, one time when I was in one, Funny how the Lord quickens stuff to your spirit. One time I was in one of those Bible prophecy classes, and right in the middle of class, teaching on Daniel and Revelation, I'm like half asleep. You're like 19, 18. He goes, and he had one of those like crazy old preacher voices. Brother Jonathan Shuttlesworth is here. I knew your grandfather. I know your father. And I see you. I was praying for you this morning. You know that guy? Imagine having professors that pray for you for an hour every morning. They teach differently. I was praying for you this morning. In fact, after the story I'm going to tell you, he said he would tell me every time he came to campus that he wants to meet me for breakfast at 6 a.m., I would go to where he told me to be, and he would show up about 25% of the time. (laughs) Which I hate being up at 6 a.m. Jonathan? I was praying for you this morning, and I want to stop the class and have you come forward. So I was thinking whether I was in trouble, trying to think of any, like, secret, unconfessed sin I had. And as I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes, walking forward, he said, lift your hand, son. 
and put his two old hands on me and started to pray in tongues and then say, Father, what you've used me to do in evangelism, I pray that you would put whatever good thing you've put in me in him. That as my reward draws near, he will carry this message. To, and I'm going to tell you something. I was not going up there expecting to feel anything. But I felt something coursing through me. Before I know it, I'm holding on to him. Old guy, holding on to him. And he's praying with his teeth clattering around in his mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got something that day. And I remember after I graduated, he sent me a big cardboard box full of all of his books. I'm not like big. All of his books and all of his personal notes written in pen. And you know what he said? The Lord has shown me that the time of my reward is near. And I wanted to mail these to you so you could use my notes and whatever you feel is good to use that you'll keep preaching it. Amen. I want you to say something with me. Say the fire, the fire must, never go out. must never go out. Now, that fire sat on their heads in Acts chapter 2. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift. Everybody say the fire, fire. that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. When you listen to these idiots say that that was just for the 12 apostles, I mean, they don't even, they don't even have, like, you can't even logically carry it out. Well, how many of you know that was just for the original 12 apostles? Paul was number 13. So you're already wrong. And then Paul, what did Paul write to Timothy? Timothy, remember that the fire that I have is going to die with me because it's only for the original 13. Is that what he said? No, he said, Timothy, I call thee into rem to put thee into remembrance the gift you received when the prophecies were spoken over you and when I laid my hands on you. And then he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, hallelujah, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, Timothy, I call you to put into remembrance that the same faith, everybody say faith, it's not talking about the Christian faith. It's talking about the gift of faith. The gift of faith that was on your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice now resides in you. Everybody say impartation. Who you hang around determines who you become. I got something from my grandfather. I got something from my dad. I got something from all my uncles. Made sure of it. Got the best of all of them. Went in their meetings. I didn't sit there, oh, my ankle's in town tonight. I guess I have to go here. No. I'd recognize they were, the Bible says, know no man after the flesh, but know them after the spirit. That's why we call each other. That's why you'll hear old Pentecostal people call each other brother and sister. You know what that was? That was making a decision not to know them after the flesh. That's a, Oh, that's Mike. He used to be a drug addict. No, that's brother Mike. He's my brother. That's sister Sherry. She's my sister. You know, if, you, if we kept that up, there probably wouldn't be people having affairs as much because you're not going to sleep with your sister, are you? So you call them sister Trish, sister Karen, brother Daniel, brother Morocco. I've never called, hey, hey, hey Jim. Hey, Dr. J. No, it's Brother Morocco because he's my brother. I see the gift of God that's on him. And I realize that that gift is shared two ways. How does impartation come? Call into remembrance that the gift that was, the faith that was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice now resides in you. Everybody say, everybody say proximity. proximity. Turn to 2 Kings. 
Whoever's playing Jenga in the back, best of luck. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. Everybody say, stay here. For the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of the prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Hallelujah. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of hands that are laid on you. Dr. Lundstrom did that to me. And then after they got accreditation, they fired all those old guys. I remember Dr. Lundstrom came up to me with tears in his eyes. Well, you probably heard, Jonathan, they're letting me go. I guess it's time to put me out to pasture. Which, you know, is such a wicked thing because that's something that older people and especially older ministers battle anyway. Your time's up. No young people want to listen to you anymore. And then they fire them. And they replace them with these I'm trying to think of a nice way to say freaking bums. So give me a second, because I, I would never say that in church. They replaced them with these people that had degrees from Baptist seminaries, because they're, other than one school, no Pentecostal schools offer the degree you need to be accredited. So even if these guys started out full gospel, they went to a seminary for eight years and got it all out of them. And then the next year, the people teaching the class were telling you that Isaiah had three different authors and all of the Bible, Proverbs is actually a wisdom book and you can't take it literally. I'm I'm telling you, I could smell the devil on them. You want to know what I did my senior year? I got my own education. I went to the library, got all the books by Oral Roberts and all the books by Kenneth Hagin and T.L. Osborne. They were now clearing those books out of the library in a section called Controversial Literature. The people that frame the doctrine of the assemblies of God, now they're controversial. You're only one generation away from extinction in any move of God. And so I took them. They were were clearing them out, 10 cents a book. I bought them all, 10 cents a book. And then I would take my book to class that was written by Brother, you know, Brother Hagin wrote one book. It was to ministers, and it says right in the beginning, I'm praying that God uses this book, that the things it took me 65 years to learn in the ministry, you can just learn from reading this book. And I would, <coughs> I would put it in the middle of the textbook so it looked like I had the same book, but I wasn't paying a word of attention to that guy talking about Isaiah. I saw how the devil made a plan to hijack the Pentecostal full gospel movement. By start, then, that generation, my generation, and they didn't have a dad like me. I knew that was wrong because of who my family is. But they were getting taught by those guys and would come back from school confused. No, you know, Proverbs is a wisdom book, and I know the, I know the Bible teaches healing, but then I had a professor that said, well, what, what do you do about uh, uh, he, his aunt Ethel got prayed for and she never got healed. So they'd come out confused. Because if you mix some doubt in with faith, that's all you need to ruin it. When Jesus, listen to me, when Jesus said that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he wasn't saying all you need is a little faith. They were saying we need more faith, and Jesus was saying no. 
Faith is so potent of a force that if you have as much as a grain of like uranium, if you got this much, you can blow a country up. What you don't need is more faith. What you need is to divorce the unbelief. And so the devil raised up a new group of teachers that infected an entire generation of preachers with unbelief. And now, and I know they're watching because I had no plans on preaching. I was actually supposed to be taking an offering right now and I'm doing a terrible job. And then you listen to people now because they got that little taste for unbelief in them. They all, full gospel preachers. Well, I like to go to this pastor's conference. Well, that guy's not filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but we like his systems and he has like a cool logo and then his media team. I could play you something right now on a screen that would make you vomit. It's a, one of the biggest pastor's conferences in America. They opened it up with a remake of a Queen song. Yeah, from the sanctuary. Now, you can't call me old-fashioned because I'm young, baby. So you can't, well, this is Jonathan, you know, he's 80. and he. No, I'm too young to be old-fashioned. I'm telling you that when you build this church, like they do in Africa, like Brother Cho did. The sanctuary is not a Grange Hall. The sanctuary is to be reserved for the presence of God to meet with the people. I watched Southeastern University on my Instagram story because I follow kids that went there. They have a dance. Not Christian, not dancing in the Holy Ghost. Now you think of this. So when you lay the fire down, there is no in-between. If you go away from the fire, you will end up in sin. Thanks for 20 amens. You don't have a choice. I'm telling you right now, you don't have a choice. You can't, well, I don't want to be on fire. I don't, I'm just going to stay in the middle. Jesus warned against that. If you make up your mind that you're going to be on fire, sin will flee from you everywhere you step. And that's the way you're going to live from tonight in Jesus' mighty name. So I watch. I follow people that go to all kinds of schools. Southeastern University. I don't know if they do this at all the schools or not. So why are you mentioning it by name? Because it's the school I saw do it. And you should be ashamed of yourself if you're watching from there. They had a dance for the students. And they had the worship team do Michael Jackson songs, 70s funk songs, like, like, like wedding singers. I'm going to tell you something. When God gives you a gift, whether it's music, whether he did like for me for speaking. Did you know I got approached from, by a man in another country that's an entrepreneur? He was going to launch um, infomercials. And he heard me preach. This guy's a millionaire. And he said, would you be the, the voice? He said, I like your voice hearing you preach. And he meant well. He said, I want you to be the voice for the infomercial, and I'll pay you. And boy, I was going to take it. I hardly had any money at that time. Adults and I probably had less than $1,000 to our name. And as soon as I processed it in my brain, the Lord said, are you going to take that gift I gave you to speak? Don't you remember that you had a speech impediment when I found you? And I gave you the ability to speak so you could preach my word? Do not sully it with a bit with that. When God gives you a gift in music, you don't play for 50 bucks a night at some coffee house or club doing cover songs. You have to keep holy things holy. Say this out loud. I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I am a servant of God. Now lift both hands and begin to thank God that his gift's coming upon you right now. 
devil made a plan to hijack the whole thing. You take, and I'm not picking on the assemblies of God. You stick around this week and next week, I'll pick on everybody. I don't discriminate. I'll insult anything that moves. Amen. How was this thing called the assemblies of God birthed? In a meeting called Azusa Street. Where a black preacher that was blind in one eye. One of the knights got down on one knee behind the two crates he was preaching behind. And began to pray with his eyes closed. And he didn't know anything had happened. But as he began to open the service in prayer, he began to lift up off the ground until he was about 15 feet in the air praying. And everybody knew it but him. And then when he finished praying, he descended back to the ground and kept preaching. People saw angels. What is there now? Where did that go? I want it back. And you know all you have to do to get it back? Is turn your heart back to God. I mentioned my daughter, Camila. She said to me one of the nights we went out to the hockey game, Dad, I'd like to see a miracle. Well, that'll hurt your feelings. She's been in my meetings for four years. But she didn't mean a healing. She said a miracle, and then they have a, a cartoon called Superbook. She said, and I don't mean like on Superbook on TV. I want to see one now. So, you know, I could have been a dead religion. Well, you know, miracles, you know, that's up to God. I said, okay. And I was already in a time of fasting and prayer. And I just made that my prayer point in January. Lord, increase the flow of miracles in our meetings. And it was the next week that there was a lady in a wheelchair. I was speaking on communion, just speaking on communion. And as I'm speaking, we have it on video. She stood up so easy and started walking that I assumed she was just in a wheelchair because she, like, it hurt to walk or whatever. Well, there's no way that lady could be crippled and get up like that that quick. Show you how much faith I have. <laughs> she stands up, starts moving, can barely move at first. Then as she starts walking, gets looser and lifts both hands and goes across the front. Her daughter was there. That the only reason she was there was because she brought her to church. Because her mother heard about the meetings and wanted to go and can't drive, obviously. And so the daughter that was sitting there that couldn't have looked any more disinterested I know the look. You do your thing that you do. My mom likes this kind of stuff. Her generation, they like this. But I'll tell you, when I looked back at that daughter, after her mother started walking, she wasn't chomping her gum anymore. And she lifted out her, she lifted up her hand and said, I mean, interrupted the service, I'd like to be saved. You wouldn't even wait till the altar call. Prayed for her right then. So I went up, I went up to the lady after, and I said, so you have like an injury, it hurts to walk. I said, what church do you normally go to? She said, church, this is the first time I've left the house in 30 years. And then her daughter jumped in. I have to carry her to the bathroom. I have to carry her to the toilet. I have to carry her to the bathtub. And she said, I'm walking now. And then I sat in the wheelchair, and she gave me a ride out to my uh, vehicle. I felt like she owed me that much. Amen. Give me a free ride just to take the devil off. I said just to take the devil off. That's what the power of God will do. It will reverse every irreversible situation and shove it in the face of the devil. Everybody say hijacked. 
So the devil made a plan to rip that out of people, that they get a real call from God, and then they get raised up by absolute bums that mock the power of God. Mock preaching, mock power. <laughs> you want to know what revival is? In a week like this, between 4,000 people watching online and a few hundred people here, the devil had the first laugh, making a plan to corrupt Holy Ghost Christianity and get it infiltrated with people. Turn to 2 Timothy 3, 5. People think I'm too harsh. I'm not harsh enough. If you think I'm too bold, where do you see me next year? I'm not going to go back. I'm going to get more bold. God hates it. God's angry with it every day. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. In the last days, Timothy... Men will have a form of godliness or will act religious, but they will reject the power that would actually make them godly. What does godly mean? Everybody say, like God. Yeah, it's not difficult. How can, how can any church in this valley tell you that in Christianity you're supposed to act like Jesus and then tell you you have to do it without the Holy Ghost? Do you ever read the life of Jesus? How are you going to act like him without supernatural power? It's like telling somebody you need to act like LeBron James, but you're not allowed to play basketball. You have to act like Tiger Woods, but no golfing. You have to act like Mariah Carey, but no singing. Jesus was a, what did Jesus say when John the Baptist's disciples came back to him? Are you the one, or should we look for another? Jesus said, go back and tell your master the things you've seen today. Today, just today. The blind see, the deaf hear, the cripple walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the poor are having the gospel preached to them. That's Jesus. He wasn't a poet. He wasn't a philosopher. He carried God. Turn to Luke chapter 4. How many of you can tell the Holy Ghost has joined the meeting? If you speak about him correctly, yeah. he shows up. Amen. He likes to be talked about. Amen. Jesus likes when you talk about him. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Luke 4, Jesus comes back from his 40-day fast. Verse 14, Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Everybody say power. Filled with his power. How many of you know where to be like Jesus? Then get filled with his power. That's right. Get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus never began his ministry until he got filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you ever feel down or discouraged, get in a room by yourself and lift your hands and just quote the first part of that verse. 
Thank you, Father, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Everybody say unction. It put an unction on me. And again, I'm getting into a zillion areas. That's how you flow in the Holy Ghost. When you feel an unction to do something, you drop everything and do it immediately. In your regular life, when you're preaching, well, you know, I'm in the middle of a second point. I have two more points. You feel an unction. Go pray for that woman. You follow the unction. My friend in the purple jacket that's been eating this up, because that's how you grew up, and now you're back home. Stand up if you would. God's going to touch you first tonight. Just step out into the aisle. Lift both hands. I'll be very gentle with you. The power of God's going to supernaturally recalcify your bones. And you won't hurt anymore. God's even going to give you new discs in your back. You'll be able to sleep through the night with no pain. Lift your hands up even higher. All the pain goes away. Then he's going to give you thick bones. There it is. More. How about one bonus thing? Put this hand on your heart. And God's going to strengthen all five ventricles of your heart. You know, to God, everybody's young. He's extremely old. I'm a hundred. God says, I'm two zillion. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, because he has anointed me. So when God's Spirit comes upon you, there's an unction. You can't just have God's spirit. Well, I, I was filled with the spirit in 1988. You, look, you don't look like it. When the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, along with him coming upon you is an unction. When they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they all spoke with other tongues. Then when people began to mock, no one asked Peter what he thought. By a divine unction, he stepped forward and began to rebuke and correct and then preach to them. And 3,000 were added to the church. A church of 120 won 3,000 people to the Lord in one hour. And without the Holy Ghost, in America, you have churches of 3,000. They can't win 120 people to the Lord in 10 years. We need the fire of God. You need the fire of God for your home. Let me tell you something. It'll make a difference in being a mother. It'll make a difference in being a father. And they've tried to stamp that out of about every training institution that there is. But the Lord this week and next week is flipping the table on the devil where the fire is coming back into the church. And people are going to take that fire and make the devil sorry he didn't kill them when he had the chance. Devil's not going to have the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not over our head. He's not eye to eye. The devil is under your feet. Somebody shout hallelujah. One more time, lift both hands and shout a living hallelujah. 
the fire must never go out. So Paul, Paul passed it down to Timothy. You study church history. Timothy passed it down to people. That fire, how many of you have ever seen the Olympics before? Let me see your hand. They passed that flame all through all the nations. That's actually like a picture of what happened from Acts 2 till now. Because if you study it, I mean, let's just go back a little bit. Smith Wigglesworth laid hands on Lester Sumrall. Let me, just, let me just tell you how stupid a lot of people are in Christianity. They'll go to people's graves that were anointed. As if you can get something at the grave. If you'd study their life, they laid hands on people. Who then laid hands on people? And those people are alive today. You can get whatever you want. Smith Wigglesworth. How I many you heard of him? Raised 20-some people from the dead. When he was 80, he called in Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall was in his 20s. World War II was getting ready to start. And he said, I won't see it because I'm getting ready to go to heaven. But you will see the beginnings of it. And laid his hands on Lester Sumrall's head and began to prophesy that you'll see the beginnings of the last great revival. And then he said, let me bless you. And this is how he blessed him. He said, Father, all of the boldness and faith that you put in my spirit, I put it into this young man now. And Sumrall said when he left there as a young man, he could tell he, he, he was different. Then Sumrall laid hands on people. How many of you saw that video of my Uncle Ted that I played? When my Uncle Ted was in his 20s, let's just Sumrall laid hands on him. You'll write books. You'll preach all over the world on television. And then he gave him a third instruction and laid hands on my Uncle Ted. And then when I was a boy, my Uncle Ted not only laid hands on me, the church, hallelujah. Man, I'm glad we're not shutting down. We're actually just getting warmed up. Next week's going to be fire, man. My, my, uh, the Lord spoke to my father when we were living in Pennsylvania and said, if you stay in this church, your daughter will never get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because again, it was a church that started off in the fire, got a big building that the fire built, and then they went seeker-sensitive, the seeker-sensitive movement that went through in the 90s, that all the leaders have now fallen into sexual sin. It was, it was the devil. People can't spot the devil. I can spot him. Devil, devil, not a devil. Devil, devil, not a devil, not a devil, not a devil, devil. You start hearing people start mocking healing, little snide comments. You know, I used to think we had to lay hands on everybody every service and they get them all to fall down. You know, it's shut up. It's a wonder I have any invitations to preach anywhere. You know, you'd almost think it was a sign that God wants this message preached. You don't have to court the favor of men. And then as you preach it, you start finding other people of like spirit that in the midst of that seeker-sensitive movement never took the bait, never bit in. And then God is 20 to 30 people when they came. And now look. And now a huge building. Story on the news. And I guarantee you the devil has his shorts in a knot, but it's only going to get worse for him. 
Because when this thing hits in full force, he's going to get his bony backside blown out of this state. You mark my words. There will be tens of thousands of native Alaskans dancing in the Holy Ghost, drunk on new wine. Every plan the devil has for this state, it is declared destroyed now. Every plan the devil has for your life, it died at 8.57 tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead. Take 50 seconds. Celebrate it ahead of time. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Not a little rain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Send the ladder rain. Send the ladder rain. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. I said be blessed in Jesus' name. Devil's not going to have my generation. The devil's not going to have my generation. They're not going to die early. They're not going to be a bunch of drug addicts. They're not going to be a bunch of people that can't keep a marriage together. No, God is going to touch my generation. Revival is going to sweep through my generation. Hallelujah. Devil can't have Alaska. Jesus died for Alaskans. The blood of Jesus was shed on Calvary so that every Alaskan can be delivered, can be empowered, can be saved, can be in heaven. Lift both hands all over this place. Every member of your family that's connected to you that's on their way to hell, they will not go to hell. By the gift of faith, I claim them for heaven. I claim them for eternity. The most wicked, the one with the biggest wall up in his heart, I claim him first. I claim her first. I claim every family member connected to every man and woman here for the kingdom of God, whether the devil likes it or not. Somebody say, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. Because he has anointed me. Be seated briefly. The fire. The fire built these huge places. And then they got big for, that's, you know, God, people that don't know the Bible always take the warnings to the rich as if God doesn't like riches. When God warned about riches, it was warnings basically about what happens to churches when they get rich a lot of times. They think they build it. They start filling their their boards up with 
carnal businessmen that attend the church that don't know, wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if he walked in with a red hat on. They start making their plans, and well, you know, we need to be sensible. A lot of the stuff that happens in the spirit, um, you know, we know it's the Holy Ghost, but that's going to freak out a lot of it. Let me tell you something. I live in America. A lot of visitors need freaked out. Do these people not own Bibles? What was the early church like? If you show up late to church, now, you basically know what part of the service they're in. Praise, worship, offering. If you showed up a few minutes late to Peter's church in Jerusalem, they'd be carrying out a body with a white sheet over it. You'd say, what happened to her? She died. How? Pastor killed her. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. The Bible says great fear gripped the entire region. And everyone held them in high regard. You know what happens when bodies start dropping? That jerk around with the Holy Ghost? Bankers start being careful what they say at the cigar bar. Politicians start being careful what laws they pass. Because when you carry the fire, the same way the fire empowers you, the fire will burn up all your enemies. Lift your hands all over this room. Every visible enemy that you have, every invisible enemy that you have, everyone that's aligned themselves with wickedness to see your destruction or the destruction of your family, the fire of God lays waste to them tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say the fire must never go out. So how do you get the fire? Well, there's an old African preacher that I like listening to. He said, when I grew up in Nigeria, he was almost, he's almost 80 years old now. He said, it was very difficult to get fire because you had to make it. He said, you'd have to take sticks and a rock. Yeah, all the conditions had to be right. It would take forever if you could do it at all. He said, but there was a second way that's easier to get it. And he said, that was just to climb the highest tree you could and look for smoke and see somebody else that already had fire and go and grab some. That's what you're doing tonight. You don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to go to somebody's cemetery. Because that fire that's been passed since the book of Acts, I got some in me. He's got some in him. She's got too much in her. And we have an overflow of it to share with other people. The Lord spoke to my father, get out of this church or your daughter will never get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She still hadn't been filled. She's like 10. So we go up to Maine. My uncle, uh, my grandfather was the pastor of the church. He had in my uncle for meetings. And right in the first night of the meeting, I remember as clear as day, we had stood up like you guys just stood up a little while ago at a point when the gift of faith, gift of faith will put people on their feet, even people, even people in wheelchairs. Like when that lady stood up after my daughter provoked me. After she stood up and walked, Camila came up to me after she got out of the wheelchair, and my daughter said to me, do more of that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Good advice. Scriptural. Can you say amen? amen? Lift your hands all over this room. I tell you this from the Spirit of God. There's somebody in here, that's a man that's been diagnosed with Parkinson's, and your brain is being cleared out and cleared up now. In Jesus' mighty name.
Not going to lose your mind in your old age. Be sharp as a tack. And don't let the devil lie to you about losing your mind. I can't find my keys. When you're getting old, Dad, I lost my keys today for 35 minutes, and I'm 38, so chill. <laughs> Praise God. Man, I feel too good. My Uncle Ted's preaching when everybody stood up. He said, the Holy Ghost is going through this section right now like a wave. And as soon as he pointed and went through like a wave, my little sister went, and there it was. That that fire is so important that it was important enough to, for the Lord to speak to my father to uproot our family and move to Maine, which is like, Ala Maine's like Alaska, but the people are born without personalities. <laughs> and if you're watching from Maine, you know it's true, so cheer up. Same weather, though, just the people are kind of a little on the mean side. Praise God. So the fire that was from Brother Wigglesworth that went to Brother Summerall that went to my Uncle Ted, then God and my sister and me. And then you recognize people that carry the fire. Who else did Brother Summerall lay hands on? Well, there's a guy named James Morocco. Pastor's in Maui. He has prayer every morning at like uh, 3 a.m. or something. Like early. Again, I was showing up for prayer and the pastor was saying, who's this guy from rehab? That's great that he comes every day to pray. I look like the boy next door if you happen to live next door to a teen challenge. So I, I walk in. I walk in. <laughs> he told me he was having prayer. Everybody say the fire. I hate getting up early, especially five. I mean, that's like ungodly. If you told me I have to be up at 5, I would just stay up till 5. I could stay up till 5 easier than I can wake up at 5. Of course, not in Alaska because it's like noon. It's like, what difference does it make? If I lived here, I would take all my watches and just throw them away. What difference does it make? Start, start getting hungry for dinner at 3 in the morning because the sun won't go down. When he told me I had prayer, I showed up. After the third time in a row that I showed up, he said, you know, you're the only guest speaker other than one other one that I've had that's shown up for morning prayer all week. I wasn't showing up to be nice or to honor the prayer meeting. Actually, I wasn't even showing up to pray. I can pray anytime. Part of the fire, because actually when you teach on the gifts of the Spirit, that's what the gifts of the Spirit are. It's Paul telling the nine ways that fire will manifest itself. And then so when you spot someone who has fire, the fire is going to burn in them in a unique manner. For A.A. Allen, it was miracles. For Oral Roberts, it was healing. For Lester Summerall, it was, uh, it was casting out devils. Not that everybody can, but people will have one area. And for James Morocco, when you think, I mean, think of it. If I say James Morocco, what's the first word that comes to mind? Prayer. Prayer. 
It's interesting, isn't it, without rehearsing that everybody had the same word? Just like if I say Michael Jordan, basketball, you say James Morocco, you hear, you think prayer. And I always had trouble praying. I could preach three times a day. Prayer, my, my body would fight me on it. I'd start thinking that I need to file my taxes or every thought would come to me to keep me from praying. So when I spotted that that man had the grace of God on him to pray, and that's spiritual, because it's actually unnatural for anybody to want to pray. Ask the disciples. They'd go with Jesus, out cold, wake up, out cold, wake up, out cold. But after they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't stop praying. The same Peter that was asleep is now leading the prayer meetings. And I wanted what was in that man. So I actually was not there just to pray. I was there to get an impartation from him for prayer. And when I was all done, I said, would you mind laying your big hands on me? I don't know if you've ever seen Dr. Morocco's hands. They're like the size of like a Toyota Prius. And I got down on one knee, and he put his two hands on my head, and he prayed. Only guy I've ever heard talk, he never moves his mouth one time. Father, bless this young man. Oh, the anointing you put on me for her. Lips never move. If you are deaf and learn to le read lips, you'd have a rough time with Dr. Morocco. <laughs> We're thankful for Pastor Bracken and the opportunity here. <laughs> Everybody shout fire. fire. So you get fire. Now, this will be the last thing I say and then I'll pray for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With victory comes joy. Hallelujah. Receive your victory now and receive your joy. And as you receive your joy, receive your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, take 30 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people, one more time. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The devil is defeated. The fire of God's back in the church. Hallelujah. Devil's not going to hijack this generation. Greatest generation of preachers, greatest generation of prayers, greatest generation of prophesiers are coming out of this generation in Jesus' name. Somebody shout on a good Alaskan hallelujah. hallelujah. Everybody say the fire. fire. That old pastor that I mentioned, Dr. Fer uh, uh, pastor Farina, that's 85 or 86 now, when he went to go buy their new property for their church outside of Philadelphia, there was a bingo hall that went bankrupt, and the Lord spoke to him to buy it. So when he goes to buy it, and they purchased it, and him and a... One, I don't even think they had announced it to the church yet or told the church, but he's on the property. This guy comes over from, from a house across the street, and he said, excuse me. You know, this is in Philadelphia, not, not Tulsa, liberal city. Excuse me. Are you the one that just bought this building? Old Brother Friend says, I am. He said, can I ask you what you bought it to turn it into? He said, I pastor uh, Calvary Full Gospel Church. 
and I'm going to turn it in, we're going to turn it into a Pentecostal church that seats a thousand people. And the guy fell down on his knees in the field and lifted his hands and began to cry. So Brother Freeman said, tell me why you're crying. Tell me why that means so much to you. He said, you see that house across the street that I live in? We grew up in that house. This guy's an old man now telling this. He said, my mother used to do her devotions out on the porch. And back then, this was just a field. And often, when she would finish doing her devotions, she'd pray in the Holy Ghost walking on the porch. And many times when she got done praying in the Holy Ghost, she'd point at the field and say, she, he said, me and my brother heard her, field, field, hear ye the word of the Lord, for you shall produce a Pentecostal church, and many ministers shall be raised up out of you and preach the gospel all over the world. And he said, I saw a building go up after she died. And I got excited and I found out it was a bingo hall. And then I heard it went up for sale. And I'm an old man now and I wanted to see if my, grand, my mother's words were going to come true. And now I know they will. See, you think you're fighting your own little battle. You think it's your life. There's actually a prophetic agenda that stretches back to Acts chapter 2. That in the last days... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That was prophesied a long time ago. And when you make the decision on a night like tonight to just get in the flow, all the prayers back from the early church through now, they start getting behind you in what you're doing. Because it's actually not about revival today in King's Chapel. Was, it's about the fire. And the fire going forth to every group and every generation. For this promise is to you and your children and your children's children, yea, even those that are far off and under the Gentiles. We are the fulfillment of what the Bible spoke about. We are the last day end time army that's been saved for this final hour to give the devil the worst kick in the head that he's ever had. Somebody shout, that's why I'm here. So you hear, you hear me talking about preachers and my Uncle Ted and everything. Well, that lady was just a, a mother who, when the fire would start flowing through her, pointed at a field and with her words called a mountain into existence. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen. There's, this is not something that's needed for evangelists and pastors. Of course, if you follow American flow, you lay it down as a pastor and an evangelist. It'll make a big difference raising your children as a mother that carries the fire of God, that knows ahead of time that the boyfriend that she met at church, not the bar, you can tell that without discerning her spirits. She can tell ahead of time that that's not the guy for her to marry. It'll help you as a teenage girl carrying the fire of God, not trying to kiss a frog and turn him into a prince. But by the fire, see the person that God has for you. They were asking me today at lunch, how'd you meet a dog? I hate talking like this because you just sound super spiritual. But I'm telling you, I knew my wife because when I spoke to her, the Lord had spoke to me. That is the woman that I prepared for you. And if you know me and you know her, I mean, you've been around me. How, how easy do you think it would be to be married to me? It would be terrible. If I married anybody else, we'd have been divorced halfway through the honeymoon. But with her, match made in heaven. We don't fight. 
Now, we've spoken so loud that it's woke the neighbors up and broken furniture to emphasize certain points we were making. But we've never punched each other. Amen. Can you say amen? There's nothing wrong. I told you I'm big on passion. Make your point. Amen. But you don't have to physically harm each other. She has been about ball and chain. Those women change when they get a ring on their back. Keep talking, devil. Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a and obtaineth favor from the Lord. You get the wrong one, it's a ball and chain. You get the right one, she's a jet engine. That when you're weak, she propels you. That you do more together than you would apart. Can you say amen? Don't listen to this world. You don't have to swipe right and swipe left. You can hear the voice of God. You can knit yourself to God, and God will pour out blessing after blessing upon you. I said my God will pour out blessing after blessing upon you. You don't have to backpack through Europe and smoke weed and try to get in touch. You can hear the voice of your Father who created you, saying this is the way. Walk ye therein. Jump up on your feet, everybody, and give that God the greatest hand clap that you've ever given anybody. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Give Jesus the highest praise. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that you've praised him, lift both hands and begin to worship him out of your mouth. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to worship him in that language from heaven. If you're not, worship him in English or your native dialect, whatever you want to do. But don't let your mouth be silent. He abides in the praises of his people when you worship him. He draws near. That's how you stir the fire up. You're not going to go the way others go. God's going to lead you by his spirit. I said God's going to lead you by his spirit. God only leads forward. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Worship the Lord. Worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Worship him in his matchless splendor. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Great are you, Lord. Greatly to be praised. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Great I am. Who is like our God? Who is like our God in all the earth? In Jesus' name we've prayed and everybody said? I know everybody here has children in Alaska. I mean, you guys still pop them out. When you're, yeah, I understand. When you have a two-year-old child, when you have a two-year-old child and they go like this, what do you do? When you go like this to your father, he'll pick you up and carry you. 
lifting your hands is not only a sign of surrender. It's a sign of absolute dependency. This lady in the flannel shirt, blue jeans and black boots, just take three steps forward. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God falls upon you. In fact, it already fell upon you. Get even stronger. In Jesus' name. There it is, right through you. More. Build. In Jesus' name. More. More. More than you can hold. More. Now, since we, I know we have a bunch of ministers watching, and I know we have a bunch here. When the presence of God's thick in a room like this, and you see somebody walk out the door, you know, without being told, the person's backslidden. When the lights turn on, the cockroaches scatter. And if you're a smoker and you just felt the need to smoke flare up, you have a devil that needs to leave you. It's the devil trying to pull you out of the presence of God. It's an oppression of the enemy. I was preaching. I won't say where I was preaching. They're sound men. That's why I told this sound man how much I love them. They're not all like that. Service hits like this. This guy was turning my mic down the whole week. And then when the Spirit of God hit like this, he went like this. possessed person. No wonder he's turning my mic down all the time. Should have flung it end over end at his head. But now they have these video cameras, so you got to be careful. Hard to deny what you're on tape doing. Amen. You should keep an eye on your children. When the Spirit of God's moving like this, and you're a 14-year-old son, you can wait till he totally falls away from the Lord, or you can deal with it then. problem. People shouldn't have to go to the bathroom seven times unless they're over the age of 80 and have had five children or more. You're not even allowed to do that on a Broadway play. They make you sit in the back till the intermission. Up and down the aisle nine times. You got a problem. Teach your children to hook into the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the longer you're around the ministry, the easier it is to get comfortable with it. And actually, you hear modern people now actually feel bad. You know, my children have had to be in church all week. Okay. What a punishment. Stupid. And then after... When they're in trouble at 19 or 20, I raised my child in church. and I, You know, raise them in church. Treated it. They heard you and your wife talking on the way there. We got to go again. Go in an extra week. When, you know, this is an anomaly to have a church that goes a second week. And the reason you don't have extended meetings most places now is not because of the people. The people are hungry. The thing grows. And what do you hear? You know, our staff was telling us they're very tired. Fire them and get new ones. Yeah. Yeah. 
What do you, I got a question for you. If one of Bill, if Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator came up to him, said, I just want you to know, you know, I was kind of hoping we got eliminated in the first playoff game because my daughter has her wedding coming up and, I, and now we advanced. We're actually very tired. What do you think Bill Belichick would do to that coordinator? He wouldn't even get to finish the sentence. Bill Belichick lost a Super Bowl game because one of his cornerbacks skipped a team meeting who was a key member of the team. Wouldn't let him play in the game. Why do people, you know that's what Paul talked about? Why do people do that to receive an earthly prize? A temporal crown that will fade away. And we're in this to receive an eternal prize. So if I hear word that for Pastor's Appreciation Day, you get Pastor Daniel a $100 gift certificate on behalf of 400 people, I'm going to make a special trip back up here with an Old Testament anointing. Listen, because the problem you face is not the people and the people in America. The people are great. Look at it now. But the only difference now is you have an evangelist working with a pastor who both have an equal love for the fire of God and for revival. And so look how it hooks up. Now not only are we going to go a second week and bust the walls out of this place, but Sunday won't be back to normal, step down. It'll just be... Another vessel carrying the same fire. Nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, one o'clock, and a double punch in the face at 6 p.m. Then noon and seven, the devil won't know what hit him. Your family's coming out. Your family's blessed. Your family's healed. This is going to be the greatest year that you've ever had. Somebody shout amen like thunder. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're, before I pray for everybody, my, my friend from the Ukraine, Privyet, come forward if you would. Power of God's all over you. Hallelujah. Lift both your hands. I see the fire that's on you going through all your family. Ones that are cl living close to you, ones that are far away. I feel like the Lord's going to use you, and I know this is quite a word because I know what I'm about to say. God's going to use you to break the hold of Ukrainian orthodoxy off of a lot of the people that you know. And those chains of religion will get broken off of them, and they're going to join you. You've already shared about what the Lord's done for you to them, and they get in a sneery, like sneer angry, but the next time you do it, it's going to break off of them. And God's going to use you. Many Ukrainians are going to be in heaven because of your life. Feel. I'm not going to beat a dead horse but I've been doing this 17 years. Do you know how many places I've gone? We probably should extend the meetings, but we've heard from our staff that, you know, they're very tired. What are you tired about? First of all, just learn how to make coffee properly. You don't even have to pray. Well, you know, they say an apple gives you the same energy as a cup of coffee. You don't know how to make coffee. If an apple gives you the same energy as coffee, you need to have somebody else make it. 
When you have coffee properly, you should be like twitching on one side of your face. <laughs> Tired. I'm not complaining. I'm not compl but just so you know, I'm getting ready to fly to Laredo, Texas. Look where that is on a map and fly straight back for Monday. And, you won't, and I'll be the least tired. And the people aren't tired. Alaskans do real work. You know, you go, you, you preach in the lower 48. You ask somebody what they do for it. Well, I, go to, I have to be in the office about 9 and then I, I type. And You go to Alaska, what do you do for work? See all those trees on that hill? I'm ripping them all out with my truck tonight. Oh, okay. Then I'm carrying them down to, uh, okay, uh, sorry I asked. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you tonight, Reverend. People coming in with like bloody shoulders and stuff. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The people aren't the problem. Obviously, I'm saying this for people that are on screen. Amen. The services are supposed to be the pinnacle of what you do. Amen. Not something that drains you. There's a problem if you're in the ministry and you hate going to church a lot. <laughs> like a dentist that hates teeth. You know, I love being in dentistry, but I hate fixing people's teeth. You're in the wrong business. God's going to put a fire on you tonight that'll never go out. Elisha, tell me what you want. I want double what you have. Okay. You've asked a difficult thing. Why is it a difficult thing? Because it's very difficult to give someone twice what you have. If you have $2,000 in the bank and I ask you for $4,000, that's a difficult thing. So is that all right? I got an idea, though. I can't give you twice as much as I have now, but if you see me when I get translated... I'll have a limitless supply. The Bible says a chariot of fire. Elijah didn't go up in a chariot of fire. A chariot of fire passed by, and he went up in a whirlwind, and he dropped his mantle to Elisha. And Elisha walked back to the Jordan River and took that coat and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And slapped the water. And the water stood and saluted. And he walked through on dry ground. There are no great men. There's a great God. And if you tap into that spirit, that's the only thing that makes me valuable. You take me apart from that, I'm finished. Take Pastor Daniel apart from that, finished. The more you press into that fire, it makes you an uncommon man in your generation. And people will mock you because the only thing the devil can do with the fire is mock it, but he can't stop it can only try to get you to be ashamed of it. You know how many people go to a church and go to meetings like this for the revival? They have one church they go to when they need a miracle and their regular church they go to. How dumb can you get and still breathe? You know, our daughter's battling, so we're going to head to those revival meetings, then we'll go back to the dead church that kind of fosters the environment for the devil to destroy our family. When you get hit with the fire tonight, you better stay in the fire. Because you don't use the Holy Ghost when you need him. You start in the fire. You stay in the fire. And I prophesy in the name of Jesus, all of you will finish in the fire. 
In Jesus' name, none of you will know a better last year. From this day forward, as you take your responsibility seriously to increase the fire, how do you increase it? He that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto man, but he speaks directly to God and builds himself up. With your hands lifted, just begin to pray in that language one more time. If you've never been filled, God will fill you right now. It's going to go through here like a wave right now. It's going through like a wave right now. It's going through like a wave right now. Dios te bendiga. El fuego de Dios. El unción de Dios. Rabaste que te ama. Bondora. Fuego. Fuego. Let that wave go right through you right now. That fire will never go out. That fire will burn out the craving that you have for anything that's of this world. Pastor Kamora, come right up. This is your week, brother. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Rishta Mandoro. Now begins your ascension. You're going to the top. The burden that God placed in your heart for a certain group of people when you were called to the ministry, it's now going to take shape. And you will deliver them from the grip of the devil as if it was one man. fire of God. This lady in the colorful shirt, you have like a pendant here, glasses. You step out to the aisle and then also the lady in the white shirt, she might be in the same row as you. Both of you come right out to the, the center or the side. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do the fire of God comes on you even stronger. This lady in the white shirt, as a craving came into you tonight, I want the fire. I want thy anointing. The Lord fills you with more than you can hold right now. Put your hand on your belly. The Lord heals your body. There it is. Hallelujah. Think you might do this one day? I think so too. It'll be a great one. Jesus tarries 15 years from now. Hopefully we'll be sitting across the aisle from each other in the first class of a plane. Or forget that. Hopefully we'll both be in a private airport with our own planes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hallelujah. The, the best dressed lady in the entire church in the front row, glasses and earrings, come right up. Don't try to act humble, you know it's true. <laughs> Lift both hands, close both eyes. 
Now, you look very healthy to look at you, look great. But there won't be one niggling health problem that's traceable when you check yourself again. All levels go to normal. Shock your blood. Every hand lifted one more time. Any Brazilians in the second row, please report to the... Você é muito bonito. Now, no more delay for the ministry that God's called you to. The supply, the provision, both with people. <laughs> I've never seen your building or anything. But if you, I feel like the space will enlarge. The money will come in no problem. No minister in the sound of my voice that stayed here this long. Any expansion that you require will never require a building program or a bank. Receive the gift of faith to make it happen. Hallelujah. All right, guys. Slide right across. Nice to see you. Lift both your hands to the Lord. Close both eyes. Smart kids from Brazil, checking behind them to see, make sure nobody has a gun. Amen. <laughs> Especially him, he's a smart kid. He looked who was behind him. It's like a mafia movement. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'll tell you three something that I know personally. If you sow your parents like a seed to help so they can go help other people, and a lot of times they have to miss stuff you do, God will bless you back your whole life. I mean, like stuff that has nothing to do with church, just things you like. All the stuff you like, God will, God will flood you with it. You're going to have a great life. Don't marry a dummy. Right. Somebody say this out loud. It doesn't cost to serve God. It pays to serve God. 
Whatever it costs you up front, the dividends are priceless. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I would like you to do so tonight. There's no guarantee there'll be a Sunday service or a Monday service. Jesus could come at any time. Every prophecy withholding the return of Christ has been fulfilled since the late 80s at the latest. The only reason we haven't left yet is the Bible says he doesn't want anybody to perish, so he's giving more time for everyone to repent and be saved. That's why we use every service possible to extend an invitation. This is not a club for Christians to gather, and if you're not, you don't know the Lord, you're like on the outside. This is for you that don't know the Lord. If you're the worst sinner in Wasilla, I am not your enemy, I'm your friend. Jesus died for you. He didn't die for Christians. There were no Christians when he died. He died that all men would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And if you're here tonight and you say, Jonathan, I know if Jesus were to return in 60 seconds, I'm not ready to meet him. There's things I do as a part of my lifestyle that the world celebrates, but the Bible calls it sin. And the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see God. So if the Lord spoke to you while I was preaching, that there's something you need to get rid of. He's not doing it because he's mad at you. You have to get rid of sin or sin will destroy you. So I want you to do that. All the devil has to do to get you to go to hell is put this off one more hour. Don't put it off. I want you to say tonight, Jonathan, I'm done with the devil. I kiss him goodbye. I'm done with that. I'm coming over to the winning side. I make a decision to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If that's you and you need to do that tonight, quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me and we're going to pray together. I see you in the back. I see you in the corners. A lot in that corner. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else before we pray? I see you. Very quickly, everybody that lifted a hand and meant business with God with boldness, come out of your seat and join me at the front right now. We're going to pray. God bless you. God bless you. Go ahead and clap for them as they come. Welcome them to the greatest family in all the world. Hallelujah. A lot of kids. Awesome. Come as close to the front as you can. Anybody else before we pray? In Jesus' name. Lift both hands to the Lord and say this prayer of faith after me, but boy, it's a good haul. Praise God. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name. I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. Jesus is my brother. The devil is no relation at all. 
I'm on my way to heaven. I shall not turn back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lift, keep your hands lifted and let me bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you as your son and as your servant that any of these men and women that are at this altar that made this commitment, that not one of them will be missing when I stand before you. Every plan the enemy has to pull them back into a life they don't want to live, I curse it now. And I pray you'd begin to send people from all directions that will sharpen them and strengthen them and be a help to them in their walk. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and give you praise. And everybody said amen. amen. Well, you can look up at me. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Your sins are all forgiven. You're as saved as I am. And so very simply, just anything you felt to cut out of your life while I was preaching, cut it out. I mean like immediately. Break up with people like on the drive home. You don't owe anybody an explanation for your life. Your life matters. You don't put you, you going to heaven up to a vote. Amen. You voted, I voted, Jesus voted, it's done. And so uh, just do what you got to do. Then, so tomorrow we have off so you can shave and bathe, <laughs> wash your clothes. And then, uh, and for some of you, that's not a joke. Please shave, bathe, wash your clothes. <laughs> and then secondly, um, Sunday, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., you pick one of those services. What's your name? Say it again. Alyssa, you got a nice face. If I was in first grade, I'd have sat by you. <laughs> 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m. So if you're able to wake up when your alarm goes off, you come to 9 a.m. If you hit the snooze button five times, you come to 11 a.m. If you hit the snooze button until your phone battery dies, you come to the 1 p.m. Amen. <laughs> and then 6 p.m. is going to be the continuation of the Revival Night Services. There's a great preacher that's coming. His name's Pastor Daniel Bracken. <laughs> a, a crowd favorite. Somebody the devil thought he had a few years back, but he made a serious slip up. It's costing him greatly. And then I'll be back. Uh, when we do the noon meetings, Monday to Friday, I started to get into in the ministry what to preach. Monday is going to be an anointing service. I'm going to lay hands on everybody that comes Monday at noon. So if you know anybody that's sick, get them here. If they don't want to come and you've been praying for them and they just won't come, <coughs> remember, duct tape and chloroform works on everyone. <laughs> Indiscriminately. you got all that trunk space. Most of you have pickup trucks. Use it. <laughs> if you bring someone inbound with a sock in their mouth, we don't judge here. Amen. It's between you and the Lord. So noon, we're going to pick up right where we left off. And uh, it's going to be powerful. It's going to keep growing. So welcome. Don't miss Sunday. Plug into this church. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in however many, 48, 72 hours, whatever it is. Give your new brothers and sisters a great big hand clap as they return to their seats. God bless you.
proud of you. Go ahead. You can return to your seats. God bless you. Proud of you. service back over to Pastor Daniel in just a second. For tonight's offering, I wanted to read to you a little card I got today that I'm probably going to keep with me the rest of my life. There's this girl, I won't say her name, she's a, she's a kid. For whatever reason, I just liked her, you know. I know you're supposed to like everybody the same, but I never did. I got favorites. So anyway, she came up to me the one day and she said, You're, you gave a really good speech today, mister. And I said, thank you. Gave her something. And then the next day she comes up to me and dead serious. You know, Pastor Daniel and I are from the East Coast. Everybody is sarcastic with each other. And so, uh, you know, when somebody's like overly nice and you're from New York or Boston or Jersey, you think they're like messing with you. If you're from New York or New Jersey or Boston... It's the only place where someone will say, like, nice haircut. You say, shut up. You know what I mean? Because they don't mean it. It's, it's just insults. So this girl comes up to me. I almost think she's, like, messing with me. She goes, I just wanted you to know, mister, I watch you on YouTube, and my, the, my greatest dream was to watch you preach in person, and now all my dreams have come true. I said, are you joking around? She went, no. So I said, I want to give you something. And I gave her $100. And then she comes back the next day with 20 in an envelope. Here's my tithe, and then I put another 10%, and this is the offering. Like, Who is this angel? <laughs> then she comes back the next day. The next day. Oh, so when she gives me the 20, I felt like to do like I did for my daughter. My daughter, I noticed, was getting stingy when she was like four. I told her to give this girl. I said, give her all your toys, and I'll buy you all new toys. It's like Jesus, like God said. Give, and I'll open the windows of heaven. So I told her right up front. They were fighting over nine toys. She's young. I said, give her all your toys, and I'll take you to the store right now and buy you more. More than you have right now. She still cried, just like people with tithing. <laughs> yeah, but I'll open up the windows of heaven. I don't care. <laughs> people don't change. Four, 84, it's all the same. So... I figured I'd do that with her. I, I, I felt like show her that if you tithe and give offering, the money comes right back. So she, I give her another 100 She comes the next day with it in an envelope filled out. She's, on, she's less than 10 years old, I think, or 10. Here's another 10% of my tithe and then another 10% offering. So I gave her another 100 I was actually kind of disappointed the meetings got extended because if this keeps up, I'm going to get, you know, I'm getting the raw end of this deal. So then she brings it back to me today with this card. This is written by a kid. Listen to this. Dear Jonathan Shuttlesworth, thank you for the money. It really is a blessing. I want you to know you are going up in fame. It's, well, I receive it. It's a blessing for you to talk about me on stage, but I know it's really about giving, and you will receive the blessings of God. The money belongs to God. We don't own any of it. It all belongs to God anyway, but we have the blessing of Abraham. I made cookies for you. Hope you enjoy them. And so not the money, then brought individually saran wrapped cookies. Everyone's individually wrapped. <laughs> brought them to me in a paper sack, so I was walking around all day like a marijuana dealer. 
I made cookies for you. Enjoy them. P.S. I'll never forget you from, and then she signed her name. What a revelation. The money doesn't belong to us anyway. It's all God's, but we have the blessing of Abraham. So I thought for tonight's offering message, you can't get much better of a revelation than that. And on the last night, give like that. That you realize the money you have is just what God has currently entrusted you with. But you have an endless supply. And your offering shows God. Anyone could say they believe it, but when you give, it proves you believe it. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 8. I'm not saying you have to do this, but it's an opportunity to prove that your love is genuine. So giving proves that your love for the gospel is genuine. Your love for God is genuine. That's what the Bible says. So you see, it gets really quiet at this part. Every church, doesn't matter how strong the revival is, at offering time, it turns into First Presbyterian of Wasilla. <laughs> Honey, look straight ahead and don't move, and maybe he'll go away. <laughs> because money's attached to people's heart. You don't get it for free. You had to, money actually represents your life. There's hours you could have been home with your kids, with your wife, and instead you traded it in to go spend that time somewhere else and money was the reward for the work that you did. And that's why it's not like just giving paper away because it has that value attached to it. And that's why, what did God say in Proverbs? My son, give me your heart. Money is actually a way to give your heart to God. Your heart's attached to it. And so when you give it, my son, give me your heart. And when you do, see if I won't open the windows of heaven. And the only problem you'll have for the rest of your life is finding a place to contain all the blessings I'm giving you. Look, even with this, what's the, what's the problem that, that King's Chapel Wasilla has right now? Building a, they're out of room. The people, the, the overflow of people has created a problem that necessitates that building, created by the blessing of God. So basically, if you give, God makes you a problem where you'll never the blessing will just keep flowing. Hallelujah. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Now I know a lot of people don't preach this because the media has backed people, it, it, even that believe it, they won't preach it anymore. But I'm, I'm the opposite. I basically listen for what CNN doesn't like and doesn't want them to say in church and then just preach on it. Just anything the devil doesn't want you to say, you automatically know what the will of God is. Hallelujah. And so if there's this big attack on prosperity like there has been now, I know perfectly well the devil knows that the bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just and you don't get it by believing it you have to have actions that correspond with your belief so i even want to tell you that because people will give in the offering but many people give and their heart is not attached to it give something with your heart god this is what i give you to say that i know you are the hand that's in back of every good thing that's happening. And I return this to you. And that's what causes the milk and honey to keep flowing. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Can you say a better amen? amen? So ask the Lord what would represent something that has your heart attached to it. And give that. And give it in faith. And give it expecting a return. Hallelujah. This is not you doing with less so I can go preach. That's how they taught it when I was growing up. Well, you know, we sacrifice so that others can hear the gospel that have never heard it. That ain't how it works. Anything you give to God, he multiplies it back to you. God is not in need. God is never in need.
And so, well, you know, I mean, I've been here a week now. Yeah, I just really need your help. You know, we're getting ready to fly out of Rado, and then we have the unexpected expense of a plane ticket back to Wasilla. Who, who gives a care? I used to be 10 years old listening to preachers talk like that and think, did I call you into the ministry? What are you complaining to me for? I'm not your employer. Go whine to God about everything you have to buy because he's burned you with all this. And that's how I still feel. You didn't call me into the ministry. God called me into the ministry. And the one that calls someone to do something is responsible to supply them. My supply is not dictated by how well I can work an offering out of people. My supply is actually dictated by what I personally give. And that's why many ministers struggle and struggle and struggle. Because they think being in the ministry is about teaching people to give. But if you learn to give, the money... We finished our meeting in, in outdoor meeting in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Outdoor crusade at 2,000 some people saved. And they cost a lot of money, 80 some thousand. And we were like 30,000 short. You know, like hardly any money comes in because you're, you're in the hood. Yeah. And, and then it's touching. Even the offerings that do come in, you'll get like 18 wrinkled ones that smell like weed. Where you can tell somebody just got saved and took all their money and put it in. So we're down, we need like 30 grand, 30,000 short. My, uh, my crusade director goes to the park to make sure it's all cleaned up. And there's a couple standing there crying, holding each end of a check. And they said, is Jonathan here? And he said, no, he's not. But I'm his crusade director, can I help you? He said, when he was preaching last night, my wife and I were just standing here listening, minding our own business. And I heard a voice say, Give him all the money you saved up for your pool. And I turned to tell my wife what I heard, and she had already turned to me, and she heard the exact same audible voice. So we wanted to give you this check for $50,000. I don't know if they were building the eighth Great Lake or what. (laughs) Heck, I hope it was in ground. That's a huge pool. And they turned it over. You don't have to work the money up. If you give, I think we've given about $1.2 million away to other ministries in the last two and a half years or less. And so the money just flows like tap water. They write reports on me in the newspaper. Shuttlesworth took in 1.7, as if you take it in personally. Stupid. Shuttlesworth took in one point. All the money goes to me. Yeah, I did take in 1.7. And if you're upset about that, what, you know, they're looking at two years back financial reports. They're really going to get their shorts in a knot when they see 3.1 million. And then it'll go to 10. And then it'll go to 50. And my goal, listen, my goal is the next time you outgrow this next church and have to build a 5,000 seater, no building program, I'll just come and that'll be my tithe for the month. Can you say amen? If you put God first. All the other things that other people are trying to get, I will just add them unto you. Please welcome my friend and a great man of God and a gift from heaven to Alaska, Pastor Daniel Bracken. Ushers, would you help us? Put your hands together for evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth one more time. Come on. Come on. 
Come on. Come on. Hey. We love you and appreciate you. Amen. You may be seated. Ushers, would you help us out? Uh, for those of you that want envelope, get their attention. Four different ways to give up on the screen. <laughs> he said for those online, the flight leaves at 12.50. He's got to get going. Amen. He's got to go catch a plane. May the Lord bless him. Thank you for protection, refreshing. Bless his wife. Bless his daughter. Give you praise. What a gift. What a gift. Amen. We will have uh, morning prayer as we do seven days a week. We have morning prayer here. It's one of the reasons God is doing what he's doing. If you would analyze and look at why we have such exponential growth and freedom and power and miracles, it's because at the core of everything we do, it's prayer. And uh, that is who we are. So we'll be here at 7 a.m. in the morning. You want to sleep in? Go for it. Get ministered to by Pastor Sheets and Brother Pillow. My wife and I will be here. We'll have a tremendous time for those of you that turn out. We do that every Saturday morning. It's called The Gate in the Well, 7 a.m. to 7.30. We have a corporate time of prayer, and then men go to another place, and we give the ladies a sanctuary, and my wife teaches, and they pray, and I usually teach the men, and then we pray. It's just an hour long. A lot of wonderful things taking place. Uh, we have a team of uh, people going out with uh, John Duke, who's an evangelist, going to be passing out flyers and Reaching out to our community at 4 o'clock on a Saturday right here. And um, you can come and be a part of that again Sunday morning 9. Prayer at 8. Church at 9, 11, and 1, and 6 p.m. I'll be preaching all those. It's going to be amazing. And then, of course, as he said, Monday at 12 o'clock we'll be back. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. The entirety of this goes to Jonathan Shuttlesworth. He's uh, an unusual guest. Yeah, you can evenly place those symmetrically around the front. Otherwise, Pastor Kirsten will be very uneasy. Um, you know, most people don't know this, but I'll just tell you because it's, it's uh, who he is. You know, usually if you have a guest, and it's not wrong, it's just the way it is. We fly them up and put them in a hotel and, and we treat them very well. We, we bless them. I mean, we feed them. We, we, we cater to them as, as their prince and the princess in the kingdom, you know, man or woman. He won't let me. I can't, I have to fight to get any, any bill. I, he takes care of all his own flights, takes care of all his own hotels, takes care of all his own meals, his own rental car, and he has vehemently actually almost, it's a little creepy, he's a little violent almost about it. Like, I, I, you, you ever fight over a check at a table? And maybe like, oh no, it's mine, it's mine. No, he's like, dude, it's mine. 
or he'll take care of it, or he'll, he'll lie to them and say, his credit card's no good. He ripped it off just recently. And... <laughs> Never mind bring a $10,000 offering to build our building. Amen. He's laboring with us, and, uh, and you have been generous to him, and the entirety of this goes to his ministry. Amen. Amen. You know, we, uh, just a brief testimony. I had somebody, and I think you might be here tonight. I wouldn't point you out, but they, they tell you don't have guests when you do. This is like church planting, building, you know, pastoring, building a building 101. Don't have a lot of guests. If you have a lot of guests, it pulls away from your finances that you need to build the church. Well, that, that would be true in the natural. You understand that, right? I mean, we have a thing called Victory Sunday, believing for God to do great things through that, resources that we need to finish our building. God's going to do it. Come on, someone say God's going to do it. And he's going to use, he's going to use us. I had a man came up to me with a backpack tears <laughs> he said I just wanted to bring you all my silver and gold that I've been saving for like my whole life it's like a 40 pound backpack we went and dropped it off in the safe I, I, I don't know I don't know what that was but I knew it was like a widow's mite you know here, you can have all the gold and silver I've been saving for my life. 40-pound backpack. Come on, God will provide for everything. Hold that, hold that seed up to the Lord. Come on. Whether you're giving on a device or a check, come on, let's pray. God is no man's debtor. Lord, we thank you for the amazing ministry of Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth and the heritage of the Shuttlesworth family. For that which has been deposited into the amazing soil of King's Cathedral and Chapels here in Alaska, not just here, but I know other churches have been affected and the word has gone out over the internet all around the world, really. Thank you that news media outlets have been affected, reporters have been affected from all walks of life. The word has run swiftly and will bring forth a great harvest as I believe it's fallen on good soil. Put a fresh anointing upon each and every one tonight. Refreshing and strengthening. Bless their families. Bless this seed. Multiply it a hundredfold. One hundredfold, I pray. For the expansion of the gospel, the spreading of the kingdom through the Shuttlesworth ministry and and here in the great Northland, the land of the midnight sun, we're so grateful to be a part of it. Pour out your spirit over all the earth. Touch every single church that's healthy and preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shut down every cult and every sick and dying thing that needs to be removed. And pour out your spirit in the great Northland of Alaska your spirit in untold measures God across this land from Barrow to Ketchikan and the Aleutian Islands pour out your spirit God 
like you said that you would. Release, Lord, your full blessing upon this land. Lord, even the redemptive plan that you have for this state. The golden oil of Zechariah will flow like, like oil flows from the pipeline. Lord, release the blessing of God in every family, not only in our own state, but the United States of America. Bring a mighty reformation. And God, I'm asking you, go ahead and do it here. Start here and let a fire burn from the north all the way through this great nation of ours. And we thank you that we're a part of it. Jesus' name, stand up on your feet. Give a thunderous clap to God. And as we worship, come and, come and give your gift. Come on. to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, Lord. Be gracious to us. 
keep us and give us peace. Lord bless you. We'll see you Sunday. We love you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.